Well, happy Easter. You guys doing good today? Fantastic. We are glad to have you at our Easter services. And again, we know it's a bit crowded here today, but we thank you for getting out, fighting the traffic and uh, getting to a church today. We believe that God is going to do something special in your life. Our team has been uh, planning a great weekend. We do that each and every week here at Barefoot Church. And uh, we expect God to do things. Um, you know, it is really important if you're going to receive something from your creator uh, to have a receptive heart, an expecting heart. And uh, I encourage uh, our, our church always to be ready to receive what God wants to plant in your heart. And you're on the receiving end of what God wants to do today. Now, I don't know where you've been over the last several weeks, the last several months. I don't know exactly everything that's going on in your life, but we serve a great God and one who has created us for great things. Uh, He wants to draw human beings to himself to empower us to be everything that he has created us to be. And really, this is what Easter is all about. Easter is an invitation. It's an invitation for humanity to come back to the creator that we were separated from in the garden. The book of Genesis tells us this, that God had created human beings in his image, in his likeness. And the reason he created human beings was so that human beings could permeate who God is throughout the earth. And what happened in the garden is the human beings stopped trusting God. The Bible says they miss the mark of what God had created them to be and do. We call it sin. Sin is literally a picture word. And if you're not familiar with that word, which I think probably most of us in this culture are, sin is actually a word that means missing the bullseye. It's a picture word. It means missing the target, missing the bullseye. And the Bible says that the humans missed in the garden. And we have inherited what we call a sin nature. We have a nature to miss God's glorious standard for our life. And where a lot of people are is they're kind of drifting, trying to figure life out. Uh, People are working every day, building relationships, doing all kinds of things to to try to figure what, what the meaning of life is. And again, God has a clear meaning for what life is all about. He wants to enter not in a religious activity with you, but he wants to enter into a personal relationship with every man, woman, boy and girl. He's a highly relational uh, father. The Bible teaches the reason that he sent his son into the earth, God in the flesh, is to invite humanity into a relationship with him so that humanity could be everything that God has created them to be. And so our prayer is that you find that relationship today and you begin to move forward from this point forward in that relationship Letting God guide every step of your life. You know, it teaches us in the scriptures after Jesus came to earth and he resurrected from a grave and ascended back to heaven. There was a writer teaching a church in the city of Corinth and he wrote this to the church to remind the church of of the heart of God. You know, we hear this saying a lot of times, uh, home is where the heart is. Anybody ever heard heard that saying before? Yeah. And can I tell you where God's heart is? 
God's heart is in, again, that relationship. And again, listen to what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about this Jesus we know, this Christ we know. The Bible says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins, their missed, the mark of God's glorious standard, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he reminds the church he has gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So what this scripture teaches is, you know what? God was in Christ. He was bringing human beings back to himself in Christ. And through Christ, he no longer counts your miss, the missing of his glorious standard against you. I just need to know by the show of a hand clap today, is anybody glad that God don't hold your miss against you? And I'm 51 years old now, and I figured this out at the age of 32, almost 20 years ago. And again, I had gone to church as a kid, like maybe many of you in the room. I'd learned all about God. And I had tried to perform for God. I had run from God. And all of a sudden at 32, I realized what the cross and the resurrection was all about. And I realized that no matter how far I had missed God's target, there was a God who was calling me into a relationship with him and teaching me what it meant to come home to him and follow after him and run after my purpose and destiny with all of my heart and my soul. And can I tell you, again, if you're in search mode here today, welcome. Lots of us have been in search mode. People search all over the place. They, they search in restaurants. They, they, they search in Walmart for gifts. They, you know, they, they search in relationships. And, and even people come to church and they're searching. That's a, that's a, a spirit that God or a, a heart that God has put inside of humanity. It's a heart of desire. And it's no, there's no wrong reason to have desire in your heart. It's just that when that desire gets misdirected, you begin to lose a sense of purpose and we refer to it as lostness in the scripture. But God don't want you to live all the days of your life in a lost state. He wants you to be found and he wants you to come in relationship with him, come home and be everything he has, he has created you to be. So uh, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And to kind of set up the teaching today because we do celebrate this amazing Jesus today. And I don't want you to leave here today without being able to respond to what God is doing. I want to read a couple of passages and then as I read these couple of passages, I'm going to then read through a longer passage and basically invite you to come home to God. But what does all of this mean? The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, there was a writer, an eyewitness that walked with Jesus. And it says this in John chapter 1, in the beginning, the word already existed in the beginning of creation. The, the word was with God and the word was God. It says, he existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life here on earth, his life brought light to everyone. It was light, 
It's a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, is what the Bible says. And so we heard testimonies today during the worship time of people who were basically eyewitnesses to this Jesus who came and walked among people and brought light to them. And he healed people of physical blindness. He he healed people of hurt, and he healed people of pain. And he brought people uh, into a relationship with him so that they could discover what life was all about. And it's interesting because he wasn't afraid of the condition of the humans. As a matter of fact, the conditions of the humans is what drew Jesus in to begin to touch their heart. And see, a lot of people are, think that sometimes God don't want to have anything to do with them because of their condition, because of what they've done or what they've said or what, you know, they, they have experienced in life. If that is you today, I just want you to know Easter is about a God who doesn't really care what you've done and where you have been and, you know, what, what you have said because he is a God who is not afraid of anything that you have faced or done. He's a God that will step into your life and your heart, and he will invite you home. This is our creator. This is the God of love. This is the God of restoration. This is the God of reconciliation, not a God of condemnation. And the Easter message is good news because no matter how far off you have gone, the Bible says that the word was with God in the beginning. The word was God and the word, the word came and made his dwelling among us. Look what it says. It says, so the word became human, became like one of us, the word that was with God in the beginning. And he made his home among us in John chapter 1 verse 14. And the Bible says when he comes, He's full of unfailing love and faithfulness. The writer says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, his one and only the Son, referring to Jesus. Is that amazing or what? So there's a God who is so madly in love with humanity that he puts on skin and becomes like one of us. And the Bible says, when he came, When he's God in the flesh, this Jesus we know today was the Christ, the Messiah, the liberator. When he came to earth, the Bible says he was full of unfailing love and grace and mercy and truth. And the reason he came was simply to touch our hearts and draw us home. And can I tell you something? That has been happening now for well over 2,000 years. But throughout history... Lots of times, instead of guiding people home through this Jesus who came and resurrected from a grave and has sent the power of God's spirit into the world to resurrect humanity's purpose. What happens a lot of times is people move from a life of what I call being in the ditch of, of, of being far away from God and maybe it's what we may consider in our culture sometimes the life of being bad. And what they do is they try to move over to to a side of the road, the other ditch on the other side of a wide road, which is being good. And so what happens is people say, well, I'm tired of being bad, so I think I'll try out this religious thing and I'll be good for a while. And what happens is many times that doesn't work out either. 
Because even though we try to be good, we become bitter and we become hard. And, and sometimes we become very, very stiff. And instead of coming home to God and letting him define who we are and define our purpose in life, sometimes we lose a sense of joy because we're striving and we're trying so hard. And can I tell you, because we're striving and trying so hard, Jesus doesn't want us in that place. Yes, he wants us to have the very character and nature of our heavenly father. And he came to connect you to your heavenly father. But you can't get to it on your own by doing religious things, by sipping a communion cup, by going to baptisms, by doing religious things, by giving it an offering bucket. You cannot do enough good things to get back in a relationship with God. The reason he came to earth is to show you his amazing, unfailing love for you. And he will meet you right where you are today in your seat. No matter what you've done, what you've tried, he is a God that shows unfailing love. But in Jesus' day, God in the flesh, when he was walking in the flesh, he was born into Judaism. And Judaism is a great thing because God had called the Jewish people out of slavery thousands of years before they were in 400 years of Egyptian slavery, and God says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to rescue you, my people, and I'm going to bring you out of slavery and bondage, and you're going to be a light and a shining light as I become your God, and I take you into a promised land, a land of provision. What your assignment is, Israel, or the nation, the, the nation of Israel, what your assignment is, is to expose the world that I'm your God and you are my people so the rest of the world can be drawn to me, the great God of the universe, the creator. And this was the assignment of the, of the Jewish people. And God had characters he wanted them to live by, a law that he wanted them to live by. But, but see, what happened is they got so caught up in trying to live by this character and this law, they forgot their purpose. And in forgetting their purpose, which was to operate as God being their God and receiving the blessings, the tangible and intangible blessings of God on their life, then exposing who God is to the nations of the world, the Bible says they, they got into this striving mode, this trying mode, trying to do everything just right. Is it, is it a communion cup with an ounce of wine in it, or is it a communion cup with a drop of grape juice in it? Which one is it? And again, I'm just kind of poking at our modern-day culture here. But literally, they became that, that focused on the elements. And the elements were never meant to be focused on in that manner. The elements were meant to be focused on to point them to a coming Messiah, liberator for humanity. And they were to expect, and they were to be hungry and thirsty for this great God. And he was going to bless them as a nation, and he did. And what they were to do to, was to expose everybody else to their marvelous and wonderful heavenly father. The Bible says that Jesus is born in that culture. He's Jewish. He's, he's an amazing human being. He was born in the people that God said, I chose to, to birth a king out of that's going to bring liberation to all of humanity. And this is, this is Jesus, God in the flesh. He's born into this amazing culture of people. However, the culture of people and the Jews at that particular time were so focused on the systems, the Bible says that they rejected him. And they didn't really understand 
his unfailing love. They didn't really understand. Many of them understood that God was going to come as a liberator, but they had missed this Jesus standing in front of their eyes. As a matter of fact, they became bitter in their heart because Jesus didn't only come and hang out with them, the Jewish people, the church people of that day. The Bible says he, he chose sometimes to go hang out with other people, people that weren't like them, the same ethnicity, the same heritage, the, the, the same background. And the Bible refers to them as notorious sinners, as tax collectors, people running wild, Gentiles, people that weren't of that sect. And again, they didn't understand Jesus. Can I tell you, a lot of people don't understand Jesus today. And a lot of people think Jesus just came for people that are good and go to church. I must declare to you today, I don't care what color your skin is, what language you speak, whether you're male or female, young or old, Jesus does not care who you are. Jesus came on behalf of God to show you his amazing love and God's unfailing kindness to draw you into his family. And in Luke chapter 15, what's amazing is the Bible says these people became bitter at Jesus because of who he was hanging out with. And as they became bitter against Jesus and began to try to figure out why he was hanging out with certain groups of people and not just hanging out with them, though Jesus loved to hang out with them too. They, they were his people, you know what I'm saying? He loved them, but they just couldn't, couldn't quite grasp it. And, and the Bible says they become angry at him. Look what it says, Luke 15, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. So what I, what I love about Barefoot Church is we have people from all kinds of backgrounds come and hear the teaching of God's word. And we have people walk away changed because God's word can change you no matter who you are. The Bible says, well, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and he was even sharing meals with them and, and you know, sitting down with them and talking to them. And so it was like, look, we're good people. And they were, they were morally great people. And, and we're good people, but these people are running wild. They don't, they don't even understand who God is. And Jesus was like, exactly. And I need all humanity to understand who I am. Whether they're running wild, sleeping with people they shouldn't be sleeping with, shooting things in their arm that they shouldn't be shooting in their arm, popping pills that they shouldn't be popping in order to cover up and hide the pain that is inside of them. You do know that's why people get addicted to substances, right? It's, it's, it's not because they just wake up one day and say, hey, hey, I'm going to be addicted to shooting this stuff in my arm the rest of my life. No, no, no. They woke up one day because they were trying to discover what life was all about. And because they were trying to discover what life was all about, you know what? And, and life didn't deliver. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was a money struggle. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was, it was character or, or, or imagery. I don't know what it was. But they decided, you know what? I'm going to hide the pain. I'm just going to do this one time. And then, you know what? It felt good for a moment. Short-term satisfaction. That's what sin does to you. Short-term satisfaction that destroys your long-term success. Well, see, whenever they took on that short-term satisfaction and began to hide behind that, 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 that pain, they just kind of drifted farther and farther away from God. And they haven't quite yet figured out how to make it home. I need to know if that describes who you are today. Even if it happened last night, 
There's a God who has come to this earth that will meet you right where you are and call you home. And it's interesting to me, Jesus wasn't afraid of anybody's waywardness. As a matter of fact, the reason he came was for waywardness and self-righteousness. And, and again, these people are mad at Jesus. And he's like, man, this is why I came. But Jesus tells three stories because these people, these religious people are angry at him. And he doesn't tell the story for, for the sake of the one that's wayward. He tells the story for the sake of those who thought that, you know what, they couldn't understand Why Jesus would hang out with all kinds of people, he tells the story for their sake. As a matter of fact, he tells three of them, three consecutive stories to basically answer the question, why does he hang out with all kinds of people, a diverse crowd? And as he tells the story, one of them is about a lost sheep. The next one's about a lost coin. And the third one, is, is basically about a son who had drifted far, far off. But it's not a story about one son. It's actually a story about two sons and an extravagant God who is madly in love with both sons. And you know what's interesting is Jesus, he often answered with stories so that people that were asking the questions would find themselves in the story and come home to God. He didn't often deliver the answer that people thought that he was going to deliver or the message that people thought he was going to deliver. His motivation was love and compassion for all people. Whether you're highly religious or highly wayward, he tells stories so we today, 2018 Easter, can find ourselves in the story. And I'm going to read through this last story. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and come home to a father's love. But I want to set the context of the story for you today in case you're not familiar with it. It's found in Luke 15. And the context is against the backdrop I just explained to you. It's as Jesus was being questioned about why he hung out with certain people. And the context is that. And Jesus is answering basically the question with a story. And he wanted people to understand who God, God is. I need you to know today, God wants you to understand who he is. God wants to be known by every human being on the face of this planet. He don't want to be known about. He wants to be wholly known, fully known. And why does God want you to fully know who he is as a father? So that you can be affirmed, my friend, and you can step out of what's holding you back. And you can be set free to become everything that God has created, created you to be. Let's look at the story, Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. It's kind of long, so stick with me real quick. The Bible says, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, not just one. He was speaking to the people that were holding, holding, holding it against him for associating with certain people. And then the younger son told his father, he said, Hey, I want my share of estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and he 
And he moved to a distant land. He was in discovery mode, I call it. And there he wasted all of his money and wild living. About, about the time his money ran out, the Bible says a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer in the land to give him a job. And the farmer gave him a job and sent him in the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pig food that he was feeding the pods, he was feeding the pigs, looked good to him, the Bible says. But no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he got to the bottom of the barrel and realized, you know what, this wasn't working out for him. The Bible says, he said to himself, at home, everybody say home, where I came from. He says, at home, even, even the hired servants had food enough to spare, and here I am in a distant land dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've missed the mark. I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son, but please take me on as a hired hand. The Bible says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. The Bible says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. The Bible goes on to say, in the next verse, it says, but the father said to his servants, look, you know what? I know he went and wasted it all away, spent his inheritance. He was in discovery mode, but he's come home. So I need you to quickly bring the finest robe in the house and I need you to put it on him. I need you to get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that's out back and that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost. He was blind. But now he is found. Now he sees clearly. The Bible says so. So the party began. And then in verse 25, it says, meanwhile. Everybody say, meanwhile. meanwhile. The Bible says the older son, the second son, was in the field working, striving, doing everything right. And when he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what is going on? The servant said, your brother is back. And the father has killed the fattened calf. And we were celebrating because it's a safe return. And the older brother was angry. He was bitter. And he wouldn't go in. So pay close attention. The Bible says to the father, the father came out and begged him, come home. I find that fascinating. Because the older brother was bitter. The father went to him. And said, would you, would you come home? Would you come home too? Why was he bitter? It's because the father had extravagantly spent everything on this son, many royalty things in the house, and gave it to a son that came home. And he's, he's bitter. He's like, man, I've been up in here all this time. I didn't run and waste it. Why would you do such a thing? You're a wasteful father, kind of like Jesus was wasting his time with the notorious sinners and the tax collectors. You're a wasteful father. I wonder how many people today think God is wasteful because he'll go to people that's not like them that are hurting inside, that, that don't do 
uh, a worship service exactly like they do a worship service. They don't follow a certain procedure exactly like they follow. I wonder how many people are, are, are really hurting on the inside and bitter because God seems to show favor to people sometimes that get to the bottom of the barrel and respond to his unfailing love. Well, simply it is God loves you too and he don't want you to stay bitter. And he don't want you to be one of those uh, uh, Christians that go to church that look like you've been baptized in lemon juice all the time. <laughs> you ever seen one of those? You seem to be upset with the love of a father who will be extravagant and exuberant with his amazing life and his amazing compassion. Look what it says. The Bible says the father went to him and he went out and the, the kid in verse 29, all these years, he said, I've slaved for you and I've never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all of my time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate extravagant, you spend all that money for this fattened calf, you do it. And his father said to him, look, son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. You have, you have access to it also. He says, but, but this brother of yours, he says, we have to celebrate this happy day. For the brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but he was found. He was blind, but now he sees. And God throws an extravagant party. Or the man in the story throws an extravagant party that represents God when anyone comes home. Whether it's a, a person that's always been doing things right. They, they've, been, they've been obedient, step by step, doing, doing things, you know, uh, in, a, in a certain way, but, but they haven't, they don't do it out of a relationship they have with their creator. They do it out of, out of I've got to do this or my creator's going to be mad at me. I, I call that dysfunctional obedience because, see, it's being obedient not because you understand the Father's love. It be, it's obedient because you're fearful what's going to happen to you if you're not obedient and do what your Father said. And if that is you today, I need you to know that God is a God that will bring judgment on this world. But when he sent the Messiah, Jesus, into this earth the first time, my friend, he didn't come with a pointed finger. He came with an open heart and he came not to hold sin against you and not for you to hold all that bitterness in you. He came so you could see who God is and move from being a dysfunctional, obedient person into an intimate relationship with God and move forward with purpose all the days of your life. And this is an amazing story. And in the church world, a lot of times they refer to this as a story about a prodigal son. But the English definition for the word prodigal is this. It's, it's one who is, is extravagant, who is wasteful, who is recklessly extravagant, having spent everything. 
And can I tell you, a prodigal, one who is recklessly extravagant, having spent everything, is the central theme of this story. But it is a God who is recklessly extravagant with his heart and his love for both sons. It's not just one son wasting resources. It's two sons wasting their life and their purpose. And a God who is a prodigal that steps in the middle of all of humanity and says, I need people to come to me, come home, understand my love, and become very purposeful people. Our creator's a prodigal. He'll spend everything for the sake of you and the sake of me. And if you were the only person on the earth, he would have thrown a big party. If you would have believed in the resurrection of Jesus, he would have put up a tent. He would have got some lights. He would have sung a song. He would have spent what he had in order to reach into humanity's heart. And maybe... That's you today. You're even questioning, well, why do they do all of this? Throw such a big party on Easter weekend. Honey, do you know how much it costs to rent them tents out there? <laughs> Sweetie, you know them moving lights? They really need them. They cost money. They do. But we live in a world and we have our church that understands a father's love. And we're willing to spend what we got to reach into the human heart and build the person into everything they are created to be. And you need to understand this because God's so invested in us. We invest because the Bible says he had the ministry of reconciliation, but we have the, or, or he was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, but we have the ministry of reconciling others to Christ, just like the Hebrew people. And we serve a God that has more than we have. And he spent it all on us and we're willing to spend it on other people to help them know the promise and the creator and their heavenly father and step into that relationship and become everything that God has created them to be. It's why we're radical because God is radical. So where do you find yourself in the story? Because see, the truth of the matter is the reason Jesus told this story wasn't just for the religious leaders of that day. The Bible says that God's word is a timeless truth and it has application on Easter weekend in 2018. And I don't believe you were here by accident. I don't know how you got here. I don't know what trouble brought you here. I don't know even if, you know what, you just came because that's what you're supposed to do on Easter weekend. But I believe this with all of my heart. We serve a God who will open eyes of human beings and hearts of human beings through radical means in order to help them come home and step into a relationship with him. No matter what brought you here today, I believe the Father drew you in here. I believe it with all of my heart. I mean, I know you made the decision to get up and get in the vehicle or get in the car with somebody or ride your bicycle or walk or whatever else you got here. But, but some of you thought you were coming to Myrtle Beach on vacation for a week. And God said, no, 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 you're coming here because you're going to go to an Easter service 
in 2018 and you're going to understand my radical love. And my friend, God is tugging on some hearts in this room today and you're wondering why in the world did I get here? It's because there is a God that is madly in love with you. He is compassionate for your soul and he will not leave you alone through circumstances, challenges, or anything else until you decide to come home and understand your purpose. Pressure's good. It's awesome because pressure sometimes will get us to a place of brokenness and we become broken. Guess what? There's no other way but to turn my heart and say, God, I'm tired of doing my life my own way and I come home to you, your way. But where the pressure has to be applied a lot of times is not in brokenness. Jesus often applied the pressure very, very, I like to call it harshly on the spiritual people who thought they had it all figured out. Because they were deceived by the systems and what they did. And Jesus came and he spoke into their life. And you say, why did he? He loved these people with his heart, with compassion. He didn't hate the people. He loved the people. But sometimes he had to talk a little bit different way to those kids in order to get them to see, look, you're like the son in the story. And those Pharisees that didn't understand why he was recklessly in love with the wayward son, they find themselves in the story. And they're, the, they're the, the ones over here saying, look, I'm bitter because you gave it all to him. And I find myself in the story. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, but would you come home too? See, God's calling us from all ends of the world to come home to him. And he really cares about people. And if that is something you need to do today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to respond. But what are you going to respond to? This is the three things I would love for you to respond to today. Because Easter is, is an invitation. Number one is this. You need to know that he is looking for you. He didn't come pointing his finger at you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him has everlasting life. Okay, and the Bible goes on to say in John 3, 17, it says that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came into the world to salvage the world. That means you and that means me. In other words, he didn't come with a pointed finger to say, you know what, I I know where you were. He called you home. And can I tell you, if you come home, the spirit of God will come into your life and you don't need to worry about your character because the spirit of God will clean your character up to be just like him. Come on. Because he's a God who purges things out and puts new things in. He's a God that believes in new creations. He's a God that believes you can be made whole in a moment. He's a God that believes that you know what? The old life can be gone and the new life can be found. He is a God of great love and God of great, great compassion. But he also wants you to understand this. Not only that he is looking for you and not pointing at you, that he is compassionate for you. The Bible says the Father was filled with love and compassion. The Bible says, as the son stepped towards him, that the father ran towards the son. And I honestly believe this is the picture that Jesus wants us to get on this Easter, that you have have stepped towards him and he will run towards you. But you got to take your faith and you got to believe in who Christ is and why he came to earth. Again, he didn't come to start a new world religion. He came to to influence the Jewish people and bring them back into the relationship with God and for the rest of the world to join in and then begin to expose God to uh, expose the world to who God is. 
In other words, the Bible talks about we, like a tree, have been grafted in to the Hebrew people, Gentiles, those who aren't Hebrew. And the amazing thing is, is we have the same exact assignment that the Hebrew people had when God brought them out of Egypt is to live in relationship with him, recognize he rescued us, he comes into our life, he builds us up so that we can expose the world to his great love and shine in utter darkness that there is a God who cares for people and you can come home. It's the the assignment. My friend, he has compassion on you, he has compassion on your neighbor and he will run towards you today. And so as we celebrate the resurrection, I need you to know, there's many people in this room today that he wants to, uh, he wants to embrace. He wants you to announce you as a son or a daughter of the king. Look what it says in Luke 15, verses 22 through 24. It says, his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robes in the, in the house and you need to put it on him. Hey, I need you to get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And I need you to kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and he's now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The Bible says, so the party began. The finest robe in this culture would have been the father's robe. The ring meant that you belong to a person of great, great authority. He says, get a ring and put it on his finger. The sandals meant that You weren't a slave or just a servant. No, no, no. You were a son. You were a daughter. You were a son of the person of great, great authority. And the calf would have been the most prized possession in a home that anyone could ever get this kind of celebration. And can I tell you, your heavenly father today is is simply waiting for many of you to step into that relationship through Christ Jesus so he can celebrate you coming home. And my friend, he has given everything on a cross and he will continue to give everything and pour out his spirit on humanity and give various gifts to people around this world to help people understand this extravagant love of a great God. But but, but make no bones about it. Death didn't hold him in the grave. Sin didn't hold him back. And he did defeat death, sin, and the grave. And he resurrected three days after the horrific sin of people put him on that cross. And my friend, the reason he resurrected from that grave is so that humanity could understand that God is so powerful. That that power that resurrected him from the grave can come in your life this very moment and change everything in a moment that you haven't been able to change in a lifetime. you have to respond you can't be a robot you have to respond by faith God's not going to make you do it he's not going to twist your arm he's not going to make a spectacle out of you my friend he has greatly invited you to come in this relationship it's why you still got air in your lungs and a heartbeat in your chest but again I don't want you to miss this he's not finished yet He finished paying for our sin on a cross. But the Bible says he's going to return one day. And he's going to gather the sons and the daughters. And we're going to live with him in an eternal home forever and ever and ever. And my friend, I'm a preacher of the good news of Christ. 
And God called me out to do this, and it's my assignment here on this earth to say, would you come home? Man, would you come to this Father? I am trying to preach this good news the best way I know how, but I pray that the Spirit of God would work into your heart and you would realize today that, you know what, there is a king coming back, and I wish no one would walk away without responding to their eternal destiny. So if you want to respond today, you say, how do I do that? There's a lot of people in the room now. And what's going to be very difficult is for you to come home and get out of your seat and move forward. So I thought we would just do it a little bit different for this service today. And you want to respond to God calling you home today? I just simply, by faith, ask you to do this. Everybody in this room got a sticker in their hand today when they came in the door. You should have. If you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out. But I'm going to simply ask you to hold that in your hand right now and prepare to write on this your name and today's date. It's the day that you come home to God and you stepped into the kingdom if you're ready to respond by faith today. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer across this room. And at the end of that prayer, we're going to, we're going to stand in a few moments. And at the end of that prayer, we're going to sing that song again about coming home. We're going to lift our spirits because I believe that God is getting ready to do a work in many people's life right now. But if you fill out this piece of paper, Simply after the service, there's a tent right outside. It's called our Best Day Ever tent. You're going to find people holding up bags everywhere that say Best Day Ever on it. That's a gift for you, the person who has made that decision. And inside of that bag is a toolkit to help you on your journey. Whether you've been highly religious or you've been wayward or whatever else, there's a copy of God's Word in there. It's your own special Bible. And what we would love for you to do is just take this sticker and put it in the front of that Bible today when you receive that gift outside. And it reminds you every time you open it up that today was the day that you came home and you met Jesus and he did the amazing thing in your life. And so we're going to pray a prayer. And if you need to respond, again, I don't need you to come forward or anything like that. This isn't really between me and you. This is between you and God. And my friend, it doesn't matter how many times you've been here. It don't matter who you came with. Because the reason we share this message is to make a spectacle out of you. It's to, it's to make the spectacular God known to you. So you can come home. So all over this room right now, I'm going to ask that everybody bows their head out in the overflow tent. Maybe you bow your head there online. Bow your head. And my friend, again, I don't know what got you here today, but there's a God that's calling many people home. And right now, if you're in your seat and you're feeling all of this in your heart, you're feeling an emotion, that's from God. God created emotion for you to respond to him. And my friend, the very power of God is at work all over this place, and he's calling human beings home. Men, women, boys, and girls alike, religious people, way off people. No matter where you are, this Easter weekend can be the day that you come home, and God, the Father, begins to celebrate you and build you. You say, well, well, how do I talk to God? You just pray. With an open heart. You're going to confess it with your mouth, but it's all about what you're doing inside of you and the core of who you are. Because home is where the heart is. And God wants to make his home with you. And he wants you to make your home with him. My friend, it's not about what's on the outside. It's about what happens on the inside. I got transformed when I was 32 years old. I was wayward for 32 years. 19 years ago, God came into my life. And he's forever shooken it up and, and, and changed it. He'll do the same for you. My friend, I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. And I am a product of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm a son and I'm a daughter. 
And God has told me to invite many people to come home to him today. So if that is you today, just simply right where you are, say, God, I'm tired of running. Or maybe you're the religious person. Just tell God, God, I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of posing. And today, I'm worn out. Today, I need to respond to this amazing love. I need to respond to the cross and the resurrection and the message of Easter. And just tell God today by faith, you're going to believe in his gift of grace. He has a name. His name is Jesus. And tell God you believe in his amazing love as he gave his perfect life on a cross. Tell him right where you are. God, thank you for that, that love. Tell God today by faith, you receive that in the core of who you are. And from this point forward, you want to operate with his character and his power. Tell God today that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And he's going to return. And you're going to be with him forever and ever and ever in eternity. That don't mean in the future. That means when you walk out of here today, you are in relationship with him forever. Tell God, thank you for this amazing love. Tell God, thank you for this gift of life. And today, we as a church, we feast, we celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a hand clap in this place today. I need you to go ahead and stand to your feet. And we're going to sing this song again together. If you responded today, make your way to the tent. Let's get out there. Let's begin to share with the people, our host at the tent. Let them know you made that decision. You guys have been awesome. Happy week Easter. May you be blessed today. Come on, let's sing together the course of this song. Come on, sing together today. From now on.